Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. We're going to do mailbags today, Adam. Mailbags. Uh, we love getting listener feedback. Um, Usually love emails. Hearing questions, love <laughs> hearing emails, yeah. It lets us know what's kind of really going on out there. So we have a lot today, so we're going to just kind of dive right in. Good. And see what we got. Give so, us the questions. Brent writes in and says, I feel like when we started dating, my wife was the pursuer and I the distancer. Uh, about six months in, she got sick. As sex just decreased, I think I started to become the pursuer and she the distancer. Now we are six years later and she is well again, but we are definitely stuck in those reversed roles. I've tried to be the distancer, hoping it would cause her to pursue again, but that doesn't work. Only caused more distance. So basically the idea, do couples switch roles in the pursuer-distancer cycle? And if they do, how do they handle something like that? This is good. It's a great question because I think it allows us to help couples understand their role and what to do. So generally, he's saying he was the sexual distancer Mm -hmm. early on, and she was the pursuer. Then she got sick. He needed to pursue her. Um, Often what happens with pursuers, if their partner is distancing for a very long time and there's, there's not enough connection and they don't basically catch you, then pursuers can get tired. Mm-hmm. And they stop pursuing, they become distancers. Now, this might have been complicated by her illness. We don't. Right. He doesn't refer to what that is. But both cases, I mean, the cycle often goes that in every partnership, there is one person who, even if it's by a nose, is a little ahead in terms of whether they're the pursuer or the distancer. And so, you know, you could have two people who get together who are kind of both withdrawing. But mm-hmm. even with them, one person approaches the other a little bit more, and so we call them the pursuer. Mm. And yes, it's true that, you know, that can be tiring. It's like it's 
hard to keep asking and asking and asking, especially, I think, over this vulnerable area of sex. Um, And many times people give up. I think I see women often have low desire when it Mm -hmm. turns out that they were actually initially the sexual pursuer. And I think I see men become sexually autonomous, you know, where they take matters literally into their own hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, That seems to be the way they handle it, but it could be different. Um, You know, there could be other people that are brought into the relationship, but people who are maintaining fidelity. Um, That's the problem. I think, too, the other thing there, I would want to know some of the details about what he says, what he's defining as pursuing and distancing. I think a lot of times uh, people get caught in the cycle of their relationship, but they get caught in the content rather than the process, mm-hmm. right? And I would wonder if their process has actually changed or not. Mm-hmm. How is he defining that to determine whether he is pursuing um, or distancing? And uh, he says, I, I've tried distancing to make the pursuer follow chase. Yeah. Okay, that's actually when it becomes conscious. Right. And it becomes more of a game if you're – not if you're distancing to make your distancing partner come towards you, that's where it becomes a game. So this is what you can do instead, right? Mm-hmm. Pursuers have a voice. They yep. can ask for what they want. They have mm-hmm. to face the possibility of a no. They have to you know face the possibility of rejection, but they can say, "Hey, you know, I really want more sex in our relationship. You know, for me, you know, I need frequency and I need an eroticism. How do you feel about that?" Mm-hmm you know, what, what is important to you? And they can bring it up. Pursuit, anxious pursuit is pushing Mm. and it's chasing. It's complaining. It's manipulation. It's often manipulation. And it's, um, I mean, it comes from a a part where they feel very desperate. This is the only skill set they've got. Rather than talking about their concerns, they they talk about it in a complaining way of you're not enough. You're not doing enough for me. Yeah, and I I don't know how you feel about it too, but when we talk about the pursuer-distancer role, that's not something I want couples to stay in, right? Because it's it's oftentimes rooted in their either anxious or avoidant attachment, Mm -hmm. right? And what I'd rather than pursue is secure attachment Mm -hmm. um, with each other. And so what you're talking about when you state your needs clearly, you take risk, you're vulnerable, like you're pursuing that secure attachment, you're giving that attachment, you're not, you're neither anxious nor avoidant, right? Mm -hmm. And so I might encourage him to think about it in those terms of how can he be neither the pursuer nor the distancer, Mm -hmm. right? Whether he can just be secure in himself and what he needs and what he wants there. Right. And that's the goal. Just what you said is to become securely attached with each other. But I would say that, you know, most people do experience a slight differential, even if they're functional. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can be very functional and securely attached, but they take different roles. And I think the object is if I'm the withdrawing partner, how do I come forward and pay attention to my partner's needs? And if I'm the pursuing partner, you know, how do I state my needs more clearly and, you know, not bring the anxious sort of pressure that comes, mm-hmm. right? The the checking, the, the watching, the marking, the, you know, tallying, mm-hmm. all of that stuff that feeds my anxiety and, and makes my partner actually feel pushed away. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Next question is from Frank. I am engaged, but we've been going without sex for about three months. Is there something wrong with the relationship? What should I do? My fiance wants to have sex, but doesn't feel sexual. Yeah, and this is a big red flag, right? Right. A big red flag that is saying your fiance has some serious problems with sex. And I would say get this done on this side of the altar. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely resolve this. Get into sex therapy. Figure this out. Do not 
you know, marry a person who radically changes before the wedding. I mean, there might be reasons that they've decided not to have sex that, you know, are different, but that's not what's happening here. This is her saying, I just don't feel sexual. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that is easier solved before you get married than after you get married. It it doesn't get better. So we would recommend them getting in to see a couple's therapist, a sex therapist. Yes, immediately. um, As soon as possible because they want to get that worked out and determine if it's something that is obviously it can be it can be helped but mm-hmm. they want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it what is going on with her is he pursuing too much is she feeling pressure um, are there other issues going on are there medical issues anything like that to figure out kind of what is driving this feeling of being sexual but not wanting to have sex yeah right? and one thing I think that happens at the altar we call it the unveiling and literally mm-hmm. it you know in it's a metaphor for the bride's veil being lifted. But it's that we see each other and we see for the first time the shadow side of the other Mm -hmm. uh, when we're early married or even as we're approaching marriage. And that sense of seeing the dark side, right, of of the attraction. You know, we're always attracted, of course, to the light, happy, wonderful part of our partner. But there is kind of this magic that says – We're attracted to somebody, in my mind, in my theory, that says we're attracted to somebody who will live out with us the dire scenarios that come from our childhood. Hopefully that we conquer them together and have more attachment. But sometimes early in marriage and maybe even before the wedding, we begin to see that and we get scared. And so one way to reduce intimacy is to not feel sexual. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's the key, right? It's gonna it's going to decrease their intimacy overall, mm-hmm. um, and so they're going to go into them if they don't fix it. They're going to go into their relationship, their marriage, at low points in their intimacy, which is just marriage is only going to increase the pressure on that relationship in general. And so that's going to be they don't want to go into that with in that low state, right? That low intimacy state, because that's just going to cause them problems later on. Right. All right. Agree. All right. Well, we're going to come back. More mailbag questions, more questions that you've given us directly to answer. We'll be right back. Thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters. Right? Yeah. Patreon is a platform where you can directly support things that you love. We really want to expand the resources that we can be able to provide right. to you as our listeners. If you know our work touches you and our work helps you, we would be so grateful for your support. Just go to our website, foreplayrst.com, and there you can find a way to support us, and you can see our episodes and our blogs. And thank you so much, guys. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.com. We look forward to working with you. We are back answering listener emails. 
already got through a couple. We've got a couple more. Appreciate those emails that you're sending. Keep sending them. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Uh, this next one is from Eddie. He writes, I've been married over 30 years. Several years ago, she was diagnosed with social anxiety and depression. Uh, they have tried every med imaginable, and it barely makes a dent in her depression. Uh, when it comes to sex, uh, it's pretty much maintenance sex that is on the calendar every five days. I appreciate the effort that she puts into it, but if it was up to her, we would probably never or rarely have sex. Essentially, what this listener is wanting to know about is how you deal with sex and mental health issues, yeah. right? Especially when those mental health issues are driving down libido. It sounds like he's tried several things that we've mm-hmm. talked about um, as well in the podcast before to try to reach out, and those things are not working. Uh-huh. Yeah, and this so. is the difficulty um, and grief uh, of having a partner who is down and depressed and struggling mm-hmm. with um, you know, their mental health. Yeah. is that in some ways they are a, dim- a diminished sexual partner. And I think his grief is that he doesn't get that joy on her face uh, mm. when he suggests it. He doesn't have an enthusiastic sexual partner or, or somebody who is wanting to enjoy sex as well, but more just doing it for him. And again, I'm not saying that you know sometimes doing it for our partner, that's a smart strategy. Mm. But I think when it's a pervasive strategy, there's a lot of loss that he's facing. And it sounds mm. like... He needs to, you know, figure out, is there a way that this can be healed? I think the number one thing is to examine her medication, Mm. Um, obviously, SSRIs and other medications that are used for depression are serious libido killers. Mm. An SSRI, for those who are listening who don't know, is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor type of med that's very commonly used for any kind of mood stabilization, both anxiety and depression. And it has, when we have more serotonin in our blood, we often feel less libido. So it it kind of mm-hmm. kills the drive. And it also makes having an orgasm more difficult for a partner. So that might be one thing. I'm wondering if she's having orgasms. Definitely want to include the use of a vibrator because a vibrator is not a sex toy when you are on antidepressants. It is an absolute necessary tool to reach orgasm for many women. Mm. Um, so that might be one cue because we want her to have you know, some positive experience with the sexual moment so that she, you know, maybe that can help her want to do it again. I, yeah. I, I would also think that you know, managing her depression, you know, it's, it sounds like it's been chronic and that is really hard. Yeah. Um, but I'm a true believer in getting to an attachment-based therapist who understands that depression to me, while there can be organic components, you know, is often comes from some issues from childhood that need to yeah. be resolved. 
Yeah, I was I was actually just about to mention that that I think the the thing that they don't mention is her seeing a talk therapist. And if they if you're only relying on meds alone to address those issues, it's not the best treatment. The best treatment is is meds plus a combination of talk therapy. Uh-huh. Um, and and an enduring therapeutic relationship yes. because chronic depression indicates, you know, that there is probably a long-standing trauma-based sort of thing. And I'm not talking about this person was molested or had an alcoholic parent. Little T trauma. Little T traumas, which is neglect or um, not being attuned to. And that can actually lead to destabilization in mood over time. So definitely they've got to do that. I think going to couples therapy, you know, so that they can together embrace the losses that each of them feel. Maybe her own sense of the loss of joy and, you know, for all we know, her guilt at knowing that she isn't able to provide this for her partner and her partner, this writer, going in and talking about it, not in a, a way that is complaining, but a mediated way so that his partner can see, mm-hmm. you know, what he's struggling with and uh, maybe find new motivation that they can have together. And as you and I know, sexual problems are very complex and mm-hmm. we get a little snippet of it on this podcast when people write in. But there are, are ways sometimes that um, we can help and we know that there is, you know, educational issues, historical issues, technique issues, all the things that might aid in their erotic life that mm-hmm. might be overlooked. You know, when you're in it, you can't see the forest for the trees. Absolutely. And so you, you don't necessarily have as many solutions and understand all the different paths that there are out of that. Yeah. Way, so. and, I, and I think that they have a lot of things that are going for them. It sounds like they both care about each other. Yeah. If she's willing to have maintenance sex. Yeah, um, every, every five, five days, days is pretty like, darn good. There are a lot it. of listeners who would say, I, I'd take that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I think they got that going for them. And mm-hmm. so I think being able – but I, I think – She's you, really making an effort. She's making an effort. Him accepting those – that her mental health as being something – continuing to characterize it not as something that she is not wanting to do, mm-hmm. right, that it is something that's affecting her, that's outside of her, that's affecting her deeply. Um, she's not making a choice – Right. In that sense, it's something that is affecting her. And so being able to be supportive and finding that help for that and getting help in in all those different ways that we talked about is going to be key as well. Like that's going to be supportive of the relationship to just say, I know you're not doing this intentionally. I know you're not withholding from me intentionally. I know it's this thing that is happening to you. Um, And so we need to figure out together what some good helps are. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for writing. Uh, Last one today um, is from Katie. I'm only 21 years old and I don't have much experience, but I really want to pleasure my boyfriend and have the best time with him also in bed. The problem is, and I found out about it with the podcast, um, that I haven't had an orgasm yet, or so I think. Um, I'm thinking way too much while I'm with a man so I can't let loose. Uh, You said women should stop thinking and enjoy every touch, etc., but my main problem with this is that I'm too shy to show if I like it. Uh, in movies, women – oh, that's dangerous. Let's, we're going to come talk and talk about that statement. In movies, women always scream and make noises, but I'm too afraid uh, that he wouldn't like that or maybe someone else would hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to fix this, but I just don't know how. So you saw the smile on my face because right. I'm thinking if she doesn't know that if she's had an orgasm or not, she probably hasn't. Okay. And I think secondly, it just feels so bad that this generation is coming up – underneath, you know, the porn industry, the movie industry that pressures them. Like they can't just enjoy feeling and touching and and having sexual connection with somebody that they love. 
you know, there's all this performance that is put on them, this mm-hmm. performance pressure. Yep. And, and she said it right. She said, I'm, I'm in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think finding ways to get out of her head is going to be really important to be present. And she doesn't just have to practice that in bed. Right. She can practice being present in all areas of her life, which she probably is not doing. Um, if she's unable to to be fully present in the bedroom, she's probably not being fully present in the rest of her life as well. And being able to find a ways to connect to her body, to to settle in, to be present with what's in front of her, I think is going to be key as well. Yeah. And most women do learn to have orgasms by themselves, just like most men. And so that might be one step if she finds that acceptable, that um, she could begin by using her own hands and a lubricant or using a vibrator and at least know what she's going for, because it's very hard to translate to a partner, hey, I like this or this feels good, when you don't really know what you're shooting for or where you're going with that. You know, mm-hmm. So having her own experience, often there's less pressure. You know, She's not performing. She can feel. Although you know, I think some of the difficulty, right, is masturbation is not the same as being stimulated by a partner. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little – sometimes I think for women it's a little more like tickling yourself. You know, so it doesn't, it doesn't have the same boom as being touched by a partner. Does that make sense? Especially when you're yeah. new. Um, yeah, but I think knowing that that means you, she's just knowing herself, right? And and so being able to know what she enjoys and then being able to communicate that in a shame-free way, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she is she's obviously seems a little conflicted between what she wants and what she is afraid what she's afraid to do. And she's um, trying to make him happy versus the both of them happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, getting rid of this idea, just calling into doubt that movies, what you see in mainstream movies and pornography is just not accurate. Yeah, not um, usually. I mean, um, that's so just, rarely, if yeah. ever, uh, you know, it's just not it's just not going to be accurate. So being able to talk about that as well is going to be is going to be important, too. Mm-hmm. That can kind sure. of depressurize the whole coupleship, because I imagine she's with a man who is young as well. Yeah. You know, has a lot of mixed ideas, mixed up ideas about what sex is about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope those were helpful for you. Keep writing in. You know, you got a lot of questions, so please feel free to to send those to us. You can also call us these days, too, and leave a voicemail, and we will be able to use your voice, your actual voice on our podcast, and we would appreciate that. By leaving a voicemail, you do give us your permission. And our phone number is 833 my four dash play. So it's eight three three M Y four P L A Y. Thanks. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.